Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's been a while, huh? <laughs> Not long enough, some say. Nah, too bad. You're stuck with me today. <clears throat> so, you can tell it's summertime again. Nobody here. No, that's all right. They heard I was preaching today. So, <laughs> have you ever gone on a uh, staycation? You know what that is? That's pretty much where you, you know, stay around where you live for vacation and relax. You know, you visit friends and family and don't really go too far from, for entertainment and food. It's, you know, to save you money. And you can experience things that are around you, like you're in your neighborhood and things like that. You can really relax because you don't have to, uh, you know, stress about an itinerary, keep a busy schedule or pace. Like I said, you can spend time with family and friends that you normally get to hang out with and go to those restaurants that, you know, you always say, hey, we should go eat there sometime, but you hardly ever do. That's all great, you know, but you don't have the opportunity to visit places that you've always wanted to go and don't really have the, the chance to. Also, some places that you get to eat in places you know nothing about and taste things that you can only get at that place. But mostly, the people you don't get to meet and get to know. Those opportunities to get to exchange experiences and your faith. Yes, you can still share Jesus with strangers, with your attitude and your actions, as well as words. So, after all the fun and experience and fellowship, when you get home, you can spend time with your friends and family, telling them how great and how wonderful God's creation is. Sharing the stories of people you met and how you were able to share Jesus with them and they with you. So, where were we? Oh yeah, last time we left off with Paul and Barnabas. They were in Listeria. Lista. I knew I was going to say that. Lystra. There we go. Say that three times. They healed a lame man. They were, they, the crowd tried to make them uh, sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. But they told them that they were only human and to give God the glory. The people still tried to worship Paul and Barnabas despite what they told them. Then some of the disgruntled people from the previous two cities of Iconium and Antioch made their way to Lystra to make sure to keep things stirred up. They won the crowd over. In other words, the people who were devoted to the preachers one minute turned their backs on them the next. And they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. But Paul wasn't, thank God. He got up and went back into the city 
And the next day, he and Barnabas left for the city of Derby. We're going to be looking at Acts 14, verses 21 and 28 today. So if you turn to that, let's pray. Father, again, thank you for another opportunity for each and every day that we see as an opportunity to share who you are and what you mean to us and to bring the gospel to those who don't know you, Lord. And uh, we think of those, um, you know, affected in San Antonio and, of course, in in Dayton. Um, You know, again, we know that there's evil in this world, Lord, and we can only truly rely on you. Humans fail us, uh, you know, cities, leaders and things like that. They do the best they can sometimes to to rectify but there's only one way that that can be done and that's through your blood jesus thank you so much for again just giving us a home to be able to speak your word uh, to share with one another and to fellowship and to love we ask again that you uh, be with us not only today but each and every day as we continue to serve you and live for you and we thank you in jesus name amen Amen. so How do you find joy after all that? After what Paul went through and the stuff that we go through each and every day and sometimes even the worst things. How do we rejoice in the difficulties that seem to always pop up? Rejoice because God gives us joyful reunions. Verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in faith, and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So their first task was to preach the good news and to make disciples. After their work in Derby, notice they kind of backtracked to the cities from which they had passed through previously. Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Notice that the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, as led by God, was to preach the good news and make disciples. And that's exactly what they did. Disgruntled people in most any church will do whatever they can to try to persuade the preacher to preach only what they want to hear. They will try to misdirect God's will and try to get their own. But a true minister called by God will not stray from God's direction. Imagine the joyful reunion that took place as Paul and Barnabas began to go home. Until they got to the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, they followed the same route they had initially traveled to share the good news about Jesus. So what a blessing it is to be reunited with family and friends and fellow believers. It's one of the things I notice a lot when we visit friends and family when we go back home to Kansas and Colorado on vacation. God gives us joyful reunions. And we know that the best reunion is yet to come when God takes us home to be with him. But Paul and and Barnabas' ministry was to make disciples. They had many. They had made many disciples. They not only preached, they had taken the believers and made disciples of them as well. 
So what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower or a student of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. And we're all disciples of someone or something at one point or another. People have worshipped and made themselves disciples of Elvis, Madonna, Oprah, LeBron James, and who knows what other rock stars and sports stars there have been. So the question is, what about you? What about me? Are you a disciple of anything or anyone? The most important discipling, discipleship of all is following Jesus in life, no matter what happens or what else we do. So what is the sign of a disciple of Jesus? You go to church. You may go to church every time the door is open. You get involved. You give. You share. You witness. You evangelize. That's a big word. All these and perhaps more indicate you are a disciple of Jesus. Of course, some people just go to church occasionally thinking that may qualify them to be a disciple. Someone said, I go to church, so I'm a Christian. But that's like saying, if you go to McDonald's, it's going to make you a quarter pounder. (laughs) A little old Jewish lady was flying out of New York City on her way to Miami Beach. She looked at the businessman sitting next to her and asked him, excuse me, sir, but are you Jewish? And the man politely responded, no, ma'am, I'm not Jewish. After a little while, she asked him again, you're really not Jewish, are you? Again, he responded, no, ma'am, I am not Jewish. Barely 10 minutes later, the little lady asked him once more, are you sure you're not Jewish? And of course, to him, to which he was exasperated and in a final effort to shut her up, he replied, okay, yes, ma'am, I am Jewish. Funny, she said, looking puzzled, you don't look Jewish. (laughs) If someone were to ask you, are you a Christian? And you respond, yes, I am. They might say, funny, you don't look like a Christian. Ouch. Sometimes we don't resemble a disciple of Jesus. But we should. That is our spirit, our attitude, our enthusiasm, our love, etc., etc., should come from Christ. There should be a difference in us from other people because we've been with Jesus. We talk to him, we know him, he lives in us. We are his disciples. And we should be interested in making more disciples. So how do we make disciples? You go up and make some clay. No, that's God's job. We invite them into our home, our church. However, to invite them in to our service, we must have something to draw them in. As we go, we must preach. But preach the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
We need to be quick to point people to Christ and to the church as we go places. We have opportunities all the time. We need to be alert to them. We need to be open to opportunities to speak Christ to no matter, or no matter what or where we go or what crowd we're with. If faith means anything to us at all, we need to be giving it to others. So, again, we can rejoice because God gives us joyful reunions. But we can also rejoice because God gives us good results. So, we've all seen and tried diets and exercise. Most folks quit because they don't see the results too quickly. They want to get fitter and stronger, but it's difficult. I mean, you sweat. Especially when we don't have someone to encourage us, to build us up, to motivate us, to strengthen us. Verse 22 said, They were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must strengthen the disciples. A man named Josiah Perkins was celebrating his 100th birthday when a reporter called and interviewed him. Do you think you'll live another 100 years? The reporter asked. Don't see why not, Josiah replied. I'm a heap stronger than I was 100 years ago today. (laughs) So, are you stronger than you were 20, 30, 40 years ago? It all depends on what kind of strength we're talking about. Physically, we do decline after many years, but spiritually, we should be getting stronger. What makes a person stronger in the faith? Years of living in Christ, living that Christian life, enduring difficulties and trials, staying faithful to the Lord. Staying strength with the Lord will strengthen your faith. Reading the Bible, listening to sermons, watching over Christians, and watching their lives. But only as an example. We need to pass that strength on to others. That is, we have heard and learned and endured. So how do we do this? We talk, we share, we love, we serve, we encourage, we do things that build people up in their faith. I heard a pastor once say, almost 100% of the time, when I arrive at church, I get into the doors of the church and sometimes can't even get out of my car before someone is complaining about something. Telling me a problem, telling me what I need to do, if that's all we ever do, is building someone up in their faith. In fact, it almost discouraged me in mine, says the pastor. By the time I step up into the pulpit on Sunday morning or Sunday evening or Wednesday, whenever the day... I'm pulled in so many different directions, there's no time for me to focus and talk to God to get his last minute instructions on what he wants done for him 
or done or said. This also shows up in his sermons. Our faithful and committed example is probably the best thing that we can do to strengthen others in faith. Beyond that, we continue to point people to Christ, encourage and help one another. That's how you get results, and that's how you build other people up. So again, we can rejoice. God gives us joyful reunions. He also gives us good results. But we can also rejoice because God prepares those who he intends to lead his church. Verse 23 says, So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, leaders, pastors for each church. After much prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust and no one questioned their decision. No one complained. No one left the church over it. They organized the church. We need to look at the church as both an organism and an organization. If an organism is not organized, it will die. They ordained spiritual leaders and gave them responsibility of caring for the flock, much like Jim and I were prepared. Titus 1.5, For the reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Verse 7 says, For a bishop must be blameless and a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. You see, both elder and bishop, which is an overseer, refer to the same office. And both are equivalent to pastor in that way, the shepherd. Ordains to be, means to be elected by show of hands. It's possible Paul chose these men and the congregation voted their approval. Go figure. Verse 24. After they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, it's a lot of peace, they went down to Attila. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. So, in the map, I don't know if we have a map, do we have a map? <laughs> These verses simply list their mission trip and the cities they ministered in. They returned to Antioch. Yeah, the way so people can see what they did. Then the return trip. <laughs> this was not one way. It was a round trip. See, until they got to the Mediterranean, that's when they went, let's just sail back home. We've been there. Done that. So, again, these verses simply list their mission trip and the cities they ministered in. They returned to Antioch, the mother church, and reported the work that was accomplished 
for the Lord. I mean, they've been gone for at least a year and traveled about 900 to 1,000 miles. This is really like the distance from the church to the border of Oregon and California and back. The Lord knows many who need to hear the word between there and there. <clears throat> they had, by the grace of God, fulfilled the work God had given them to do. And they joyfully reported the blessings to the church. You know, this is probably the first missionary co- conference in the church history. We love to hear the reports of the missionaries and the work they've done. Thanks, Phyllis, for bringing those things. We love to hear about the people they encounter and those whom they helped and lead to Jesus in their life. We love to receive them back and just see them again. So what was done when Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch? We can rejoice because God gives us joyful reunions. God gives us good results. And he gives us his leaders. But we can also rejoice because he lets us hear good reports. Verse 27 says, Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Yay. Paul and Barnabas gave a good report in verse 27. Again, the word says that when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Not them. He did. Notice two great things about the report. First, Paul and Barnabas gave all the glory to God. Philippians 4.9 The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the the God of peace will be with you. So they reported all that God had done with them. Paul and Barnabas gave all the glory to God because all the glory does belong to God. God created us. He loves us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Jesus rose from the dead on that third day and he will save us. He will put, he will put it out there for us to trust in him. Hebrews six nineteen twenty 20 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus. In Jesus, God gave us an anchor, a hope that is strong enough to withstand any hurricane. A hope that, a hope in, this hope, sorry, this hope is the anchor that declares God can overcome my past. God can be with me in the present each and every day. And God has a future for me to be with him forever. Glory to God. Paul and Barnabas reported that the report was great because it gave us and gave all the glory to God. But it was also great because it confirmed that God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. I mean, that's you and I, right? 
Well, I'm part Jewish, a little bit. I found out. So now, aren't you glad that the good news is for everyone who will receive it? Aren't you glad that the door of the salvation is open for all who believe? They strengthen the, the other believers verbally. Seriously, we should encourage one another verbally and in other, way, in other ways and other ways that we can help them. We should encourage them. I'm sure there were many ways that we can strengthen and encourage one another, like teaching and preaching and definitely living the faith will encourage others. Whenever we see it done, it encourages others to do it too. Or at least we hope it does. I mean, you get that feeling, right? Where when you see somebody have something, not jealousy, you want to share with them. You want to have what they have. We exhume that out of ourselves. Other people are going to see it and they want that too. To make a church strong, though, we must charge the disciples. No, I'm not talking about hooking them up to a bank of batteries, giving them a zap. If you want to, you can. Or hook it up to a hook them up to a battery charger. I have one if you need one. But sometimes you need it. To make a church strong, we must charge the disciples. You have to give charge a couple of different variations. Charges to be given a command, a mission to hold on to, something to guard. Deuteronomy 11.1 1 says, Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his, judge, his judgments, and his commandments always. Charge in Hebrews here is mishmereth. Mishmereth. Mish, I can't even say it like Mishmereth. A guard which watches charge with a function of holding on to. Something to possess and take ownership of their faith and relationship with Jesus. But in other times, to be charged is said in other ways. Verse 22 again says, We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So an airplane pilot said about 95th graders, man, piled into an airliner. I was flying on their way home from a school trip. Once we were in the air and the crew began to serve the drinks. I could hear them pleading with the children to settle down so that the beverages could be served and the other passengers could get some sleep. No amount of reasoning seemed to help until, the, until I thought of the solution, the pilot said. That actually worked. I picked up the PA mic and in the cockpit and announced, children, this is your captain speaking. Don't make me stop this airplane and come back there. <laughs> That'll give somebody a charge. Some, sometimes people need to be warned or charged in a certain way. We as parents many may have threatened our children with words, if I have to stop what I'm doing and come in there, you're going to get it. Second Timothy 4 Verses 1 and 2 says, I charge you 
therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So here Paul charged young Timothy to, cha- to charge the people he was preaching the word too. Be strong. Be courageous. Be sincere. This is where it gets hard. One time a preacher started his sermon with these words. You ought to be dead. That doesn't charge somebody. And he said that forcefully. You ought to be dead. That's what he said. What did he mean by those words? You didn't know until he finished his sermon, but it was a charge that you would never forget and a charge that we all need. We all need to be dead to sin and ourself, but alive, charged up for Christ. That was the basis of his sermon. He was exactly right. I was reading a certain preacher from Dallas, Texas. was preaching about giving. He said, there are three types of people. The haves, the have-nots, and the the have-not-paid-for-it-yet. He said, money is tainted. Tainted yours and tainted mine. And he's right. Everything belongs to the Lord. He's just loaned us some money, a house, a car, clothing, etc., etc. And then he proceeded to preach about giving and mentioned the scripture in Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. He said, the reason so many Christians have financial problems... The car breaks down, the house falls apart, etc., etc. It's because they are robbing God. Talk about powerful. I don't know necessarily totally agree with him, but he did have a point. Sometimes people merely need to be charged in the sense of being encouraged. He said the re- or Paul said he charged the brothers that hardships would come that they do and they have and they will continue to come. Have you not experienced some hardships in life? Pretty sure all of us have. We experience hardships in the sense that life is general, in general, is hard. Making a living, raising children, they're not easy tasks. One day a kindergarten class went on a field trip to a local fire station after the children had opportunity to examine the fire trucks and the firefighters' gear and all their places where they stay, their, their quarters, one of the firemen began to talk to them about fire safety. He said, if you think your house might be on fire, first thing is you should go to the door and feel it to see if it's hot. Okay. He continued, the second thing you, need, you should do is fall on your knees. He asked, does anybody know why? You should get on your knees. One little boy 
in front of the uh, in front of the uh, in front of them raised his hand and said, "You get on your knees so you can pray to God. We'll get you out of that mess. It also gets you out of the smoke, but that's not the point. Life is full of hardships. The Lord is our only one and true help in life." Most of the problems you and I face in life are with us, our own selves. We are our own worst enemies. We cause us more problems than anybody. Consequently, we all need to be disciplined in some form or or, uh, another. Paul and Barnabas spent a long time in Antioch after receiving their, their, their spirit, recharging their batteries, so to speak. We need to make disciples for Jesus. And we need to continue to disciple one another any way we can. We need to win people for Christ and encourage them in Christ. It's my job and it's your job because we are his disciples. So again, we can rejoice for so many things. But we can also rejoice because God, because God gives us rest. That's a sigh of relief when we know we can rest, huh? Verse 28 says, Though, So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Not much to it, but why would they just stay there a long time? In verse 28, Paul and Barnabas stayed there a long time with the disciples. One of the most important reasons why they stayed is because they needed the rest. They didn't have a car to take them, a plane to take them across that water. They had to take a boat and then walk everywhere else. Try that now. Let's go down to California. See in a year. God knows we need rest. Physical, mental, and emotional. And of course, spiritual rest. That's why in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Melvin Chatham talked about the rest that President Dwight D. Eisenhower was able to find even while he led the armed forces in World War II. Of course, every decision during that time had momental consequences. Monumental. Did I say the momental? Monumental consequences. How did Ike deal with the pressure? He later told his pastor, Dean Miller, that he didn't try to carry all his burden alone. Eisenhower put 1 Peter 5.7 into practice. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. There, Peter tells Christians that we should cast all our cares on God because he cares for us. At some night, and some nights when the strain became too great, Ike would simply pray, Lord, I've done the best I can. You take over until morning. And then he would go to sleep. So, life gets hard. But God gives us great reasons to rejoice. So I say, seek out those joyful reunions. Follow his word and his will, and he will provide good results. Know God has prepared for us in ministry, and in our life. 
Glorify him in every good report. And let Jesus Christ give you the rest you need. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you so much for giving us what we have. Lord, thank you so much for even the hardships that we must endure to give us wisdom, to give us insight of who you are and how to deal with situations so that we may help others, that we can encourage others because we've experienced it, that we can lift one another up because we know what the end result is when we trust in you, Lord. Thank you so much for today and, uh, again, just a good, good time that we can rejoice in what you have for us. When we see one another again, that we can rejoice and know that you are God and have ultimate love for you because you love us. And we ask that you continue to be with us, watch over us, keep us strong, and we pray for those all affected in this last few days. Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.